Welcome to this week 12 edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host, broadcasting from our studio in the heart of Minster, Ohio, home of the eight and four Minster Wildcats. And we'll get to discuss their glorious weekend later in the podcast. Unfortunately, not checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the number 26 ranked Cincinnati Bearcats, will be our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. Rebecca is on some sort of secret assignment for her company, so we won't go into it here, but I imagine it has to do with keeping airlines from falling out of the sky or something along those lines. She's having fun down in the balmy south of North Carolina somewhere. So when you're missing someone like Rebecca, it takes two people to cover for someone that is indispensable as she is. So I shall start by introducing Rebecca's older sister, Alexandra Trumbull. Hi, Alex. Hello. She is also checking in from Cincinnati from the community of Wyoming, home of the Wyoming Cowboys, who have a regular season winning streak of 67 games right now. Did you know that, Alex? Not specific number, but I knew they were doing pretty well. It comes up often when you're at like Kroger or walking around the neighborhood. Someone says, hey, how about that 67-game regular season <laughs> win streak, huh? No, not usually, but I see lots of swag around town, lots of team spirit. Wyoming is still alive in the playoffs. They have a game against 7-5 and five and 13-seeded Clinton Massey this weekend. I know you're excited there in Wyoming, Alex. Yeah, both the Wyoming game and the big UC game on Friday night, huh? Right. And who knows, maybe UC's backup quarterback who is a Wyoming graduate might get to play. Ooh, that would be fun. Speaking of the Bearcats, they took out the Naval Academy 20-10 to 10 last week in another game that was not what we would consider the height of efficiency, as Alex shakes her head no. <laughs> no, it's unfortunately a nail-biter. In case you didn't know it, the Cincinnati head coach studied under former Ohio State coach Jim Tressel, who was known for frustrating his fans by winning all their games but keeping them closer than they were, had hoped they would be. But they usually won them all, so everyone else said, what are you all worried about? And the Ohio State fans would have these short little fingernails and... And, and the one time worried. it might not, might not end the way we want it to end. <laughs> Our Bearcats play at home this Friday for the first nip at night extravaganza of the year, playing 6-3 and three East Carolina at 8 o'clock. All you fans out there whose teams have Saturday playoff games, you now have plans for Friday night. At least that's Just how it works for me. There'll be a full weekend in the Monin or Trumbull household. Absolutely. So to get Alex on this podcast, I had to give in to a condition. So we are bringing back the Huffman family singers to introduce our... Scores of the Week! And this week, I actually put some work into the scores of the week. How shall I say? There were many very interesting scores in the Ohio High School playoffs this week. I picked out what I thought were five of the best, and we'll review those now. And we're going to start with Region 1, Division 1, way up in Northeast Ohio. We have Cleveland St. Ignatius 50, Cleveland Heights 49. You know, in a defensive struggle, eh? <laughs> but, How did they get to 50? Did somebody go for two? 
Oh, I didn't look into it in that much depth, but I would think that's uh, very possible. But what I did find out looking into it was Cleveland Heights was actually ahead 42 to 14 at halftime. Oh, so, so they only scored the, one more time. Yep. If you do the math, that's 36 to 7 for Ignatius in the second half. Now, you know, I've interviewed several coaches after games, and I've asked many a times what happened in the locker room at halftime to cause a turnaround. And I don't think I ever get the honest answer. The team, no, that, lost, not. The team that lost won't say much about it. The winning coach will say, no, we had the right plan all along, but at halftime we challenged our boys to execute better, and they did that, and that's why we came out and got the win. I'm guessing there might have been something else. I <laughs> Something had to happen to change from a 42-14 score in one half to a 7-36 to in the second half. But again, Did they have the, all the wind? That was just Saturday. Was it a Saturday game? No, it would have been a Friday game. Friday game. Can't blame the wind. And the wind only cha- changes every quarter, not at halftime. So, no, I can't think. Of, I don't know what happened. <laughs> the wind doesn't change every quarter. The teams change every direction. Well, yeah, the teams quarter. change the size of the field. But whether you have the wind in, at your back or That's in your fair. face changes every quarter. How about that? <laughs> yes. Although, in theory, the wind is constantly changing, right? Right, right. If you could get the wind to just happen to change at the quarter mark, that would be something. Yeah, that'd be, uh, you'd, you'd start to wonder if you'd see the, the clock hit zero and suddenly the flag would go limp and then start flap, flapping to the other <laughs> side from what it had been before. That'd been quite interesting, huh? I'd say so. Okay, on to our second score, and this involves a local team. In Region 14, Van Wert 29, Sandusky Perkins 22. Now, I don't know if you remember, Alex, but earlier this year, Van Wert suffered their only loss against Wapakoneta. They were ahead late. With about 20, 30 seconds left in the game, they decided to punt from around midfield. Their punt was blocked. Wapakoneta picked it up and ran it in for the game-winning touchdown. Well, in this game, the score was tied. Sandusky Perkins lines up to kick the game-winning field goal. Van Wert blocks it, picks up the ball, and returns it all the way back the other way for the game-winning touchdown. So Van Wert got their kick-blocking vengeance in the playoffs, so to speak. I'd rather it happen that way in the playoffs than in than the other way around. Yeah, if you're going to win one and lose one, you'll take the loss in the regular season and the win in yeah. the playoffs, won't you? They've had a really good couple of years, haven't they, Van Wert? Been yes, they well. have. We had their coach on a couple of years ago after they won a state championship. So maybe, I think it was two years ago. And they still have the same quarterback. He's very good. That's a lot of the reason they're doing so well. So they were tied at 22. That also seems like an unusual score to be tied at before that blocked field goal. Yep. Sounds like there was two two two-point conversions, one for each team in there, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You're making me feel like I was insufficient in my research here, Alex. (laughs) Well, your researcher happens to be out of town, right? That is true. (laughs) Curse you, Rebecca Monin. (laughs) Of course, I'm probably safe here. I hear she never listens to the finished product. So that's true. Maybe she will this year, this week, because it's weird listening to your own voice, right? It is, yes. Because to be honest, I never listen to the finished product. But since I edit it, I kind of heard everything many times over by the time it's done. Score number three from Region 15 Columbus East 
40, Cambridge 39. And no, I have no idea how they ended up at 39. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like maybe a field goal in there somewhere or a lot of missed extra points, one or the other. Yep. But either way, this game was in double overtime. Ooh. In the second overtime, Columbus East decided to go for the two-point conversion to end it, and they were successful. Where was it? It's oh, a I long just game. Saw, yeah. I just saw that this weekend on the LSU-Alabama game. Got to overtime. LSU got to over, Gordon overtime, said, we're tired of this game. Let's just finish it now. <laughs> and it worked. That always looks good when it works. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer when it doesn't. Because if you miss that one, that means the other team automatically wins in overtime, right? Correct. It's a Cambridge lot of gamble in one play. You better have one play in your in your playbook that you thought all week is a good one to use when the timing was right. So, or one play that worked the last twelve times you ran it in the game. One or the other. <laughs> Assuming the other team <laughs> doesn't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> okay, our fourth score involves one of our teams we cover here: Cold Grove Dawson Bryant, forty-seven; West Jefferson, forty. Now, this game looked like a runaway. Dawson Bryant was ahead 39-13 to at one point. West Jeff then scored, and then they successfully completed three onside kicks. Onside kicked, scored again. Onside kick, scored. Onside three kick, times. scored. Three times. And they took a 40-39 to lead. Now, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing once they had the lead, they didn't onside kick anymore. And the other team eventually scored. scored. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Now, or the other team was, yeah, was saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, it's possible they tried a fourth one. I highly doubt it. I, if you got the one-point lead, I imagine they just kicked it deep. Is that very sportsmanlike to do three onside kicks in a row? Yeah, when you're losing, everything is fairly sportsmanlike. <laughs> it is the playoffs, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That seems unusual. I suppose that's not something we have ready access to how often onside kicks are successful in a game. But I saw a game years ago, a Minster game, where we gave up two straight, but it was a regular season game. And the coach had the uh, JV kick coverage team in, and the other team still left their starters in. And the coach refused to put the starters back. He said, I don't care. I'm going to let make the JVs have to recover one of those onside kicks. <laughs> and they finally did, got the third one. So <laughs> Bryce comments in the background asking if perhaps they just weren't good at kicking and they were accidental onside kicks. No, these were on purpose onside kicks. <laughs> you got to love the occasional accidental onside kick, don't you? It happens. Well, I we actually saw one that was a, Fort Larmy against Minster. It wasn't so much an onside kick as it just kind of bounced off a Minster kid's leg downfield and then Fort Larmy recovered it. But it was it was down the field a good ways. Hoping not to see a repeat of that during the rematch of that Minster-Fort Larmy game in the playoffs this week. Ooh, this week. This week. That'll be exciting. You can't just play somewhere on 66. You have to go to a... <laughs> They have to go to the big metropolis of well, Sydney, Ohio. Sydney. Oh, that's not too far, at least. <laughs> no, it's a livable drive. That's for sure. <laughs> It'd be a shame if you had to trek all the way across the, <laughs> across the state to play somebody who's two miles down the road. 
I've seen it happen before in other sports. I think there's been a, something like a Versailles versus St. Henry State volleyball game in Columbus. It's like, oh, Versailles, St. Henry, you could have just played it at Minster and been done with it, you know? A little bit more pageantry if you have to go so far, perhaps. I guess. And our final game from Region 26 involving one of my favorite teams, the Archers of Antwerp. Beat Delphus Jefferson 35 to 34. Similar thing here. Antwerp was behind. They scored with under a minute remaining in the game to get within one point and said, We're ending this puppy now. Let's go for two. And they converted to get the 35 34 win. Seems like a lot of two point conversions this week. Yes, it does. I think it's sort of like it's the end of the game. We've got the momentum. Let's finish it now before it switches once again. Right. And theoretically, these are the the better teams are boiling to the top, right? So better and better teams are playing each week. Better teams. So you have better offenses, better coaching, better defenses. Yeah, maybe they should all be stopped. I don't know. <laughs> but you are right. And as we shall see shortly here, as our guest picker comes on to help me preview all of the games this week. You will see most of these games are expected to be a lot closer than what we've seen the last two weeks. As we get deeper into the playoffs, we're getting a lot better games, at least in theory. But as you can see, we had some good ones last week, right? Right. So before if your sampling of your scores of the week are any indication, it seems like there were a lot of really exciting games this week. I would have to agree with you there. I think we're going to see a lot more this week, too. So before we hand off here, Alex, anything else you need to tell us from the great community of Wyoming? Well, the other thing is that we're on the edge of Wyoming and we can hear Finneytown's marching band practice every morning. So I had the unfortunate one morning to realize that there was no drums beating at seven in the morning. So I had to look it up and see Finneytown did not make the playoffs. So it's been a little bit... Been a little bit quieter up here. <laughs> we can't hear Wyoming's field. We can hear Finney Towns. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess we drive by Wyoming's when we go to see you, but that's down the you hill. Live, you live, yeah, it's you live up over a few hills and dales between the school and your house, huh? Yeah. I don't think the sound travels uphill as easily as it does just across Winton Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that, We'll say goodbye to Alex. Thank you for filling in this week. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for having me. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Now for the other person I brought in to help out this week. I decided with Rebecca abandoning me, I needed someone with as much knowledge of West Central Ohio as I could find. And after thinking for a while, I thought, I know this one guy who's been basically everywhere in West Central Ohio. Let's see if I can get him. So we'd like to welcome the new superintendent of Minster Schools, Mr. Josh Meyer. Welcome, Josh. Hey, Bruce. Thanks. Glad to be here this evening. I'm going to take a run at Josh's, re Josh's resume here. I'm sure I've missed a thing or two, but we'll see how close I got. I seem to recall you went to high school in Parkway. Uh, that's correct. Uh, I played football there, ran track there, played center, played linebackers. So yeah, enjoyable time. Oh, I was going to guess linebacker. You always look like a linebacker to me. I could I could probably still play a down or two if I had to, if there was oxygen on the sideline and everything else. 
I saw afterwards you went to Wright State, not exactly a football school, so I imagine you didn't do much football-related work there. No, no, no football team at Wright State. Uh, when I was uh, in college, though, at Wright State, coached two years at Parkway, uh, junior high and freshman. And then my last few years of college, I coached at Fort Recovery as an assistant coach, offensive line, defensive line, you know, freshman, JV, that type of stuff. And did you go there then after college too, or was that the only time you were at Fort Recovery? No, I was, I was only at Fort Recovery during college. And then when I graduated college, uh, my first teaching and coaching job was at uh, Corey Rossman High School up close to Finley, Ohio. And I, I taught junior high math there. Uh, I was the athletic director for six years there was an assistant football coach, coached offensive line and defensive line, linebackers, offensive coordinator for a few years, defensive coordinator for a couple of years, and then also had two years as the head coach. Now, back to the Fort Recovery days, that's when our paths crossed. I used to like to attend all the state championship football games up at Canton and Maslin. And yeah. at the time, the uh, Fort Recovery coaching staff seemed to show up in mass every yeah. year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That was an enjoyable time. And, you know, back then you had to follow, you know, it was quite a bit different 20 or 25 years ago, following computer points and playoff rankings and, and game predictions. You were either on, uh, you know, JJ Huddle or the Mac online or Rocket Corner if it was extreme Northwest Ohio. And as a coach, you didn't have the variety of tools that you have now, which obviously you've been tracking computer points for a number of years. And, Joe Idle and Drew Pester and, and the Fantastic 50 website. It's just uh, the, the amount of information nowadays that coaches and athletic directors uh, fingertips is just, you know, it's just different. You can start in week six or seven looking at your potential matchups and seedings and, and things like that. Whereas uh, I remember one time at Corey Ross and I think I emailed you and everybody thought we were going, I can't remember who we thought we were going to play but you very distinctly said, no, we were going to travel to Eden in the first round. And uh, this was on a Saturday. And I said, well, how's, how's that possible? You know, all the other scenarios show us going somewhere else. And you said, you said, and I can't remember the exact teams were something like, well, Norwalk, St. Paul and Fremont, St. Joe play tonight. And if Norwalk, St. Paul wins, you guys are going to go to Eden, you know? And, and so, you know, those things are, more readily available now than what they were 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And I remember that I went to that playoff game at Eden, talked my way into a sideline pass. <laughs> yeah, it's first ever first ever playoff win in Corey Ross in history was up there against the Eden Bombers. Up at the uh, the Garden of Eden. I, not many people have been to the Garden of Eden, but I have been there. So. <laughs> no, nah, my wife and I went through there a few years after that on the way to, we were going somewhere on vacation and we stopped in Eden to get gas. And I had on a Corey Rawson sweatshirt and I got a dirty look from somebody in the gas station, but that's okay. All right. Well, I lost track of you when you were at Corey Rawson. Somewhere along the way, you went up to Napoleon, which is where my wife is from. And I never heard about it. So you must not have caused too many waves up there. <laughs> Uh, no, Napoleon was a great job. Uh, I was the assistant principal and athletic director there. You know, it was a good place to work and a good good place to get uh, some administrative experience. And obviously the, uh, the athletic tradition, football, uh, boys basketball, girls basketball, track and water polo, water polo, swimming, 
swimming is very important in Napoleon. Just you got just a, a ton of different experiences that you wouldn't get at a, at a Corey Rawson. So it's a good time. It's a good, it's a good time working there. And like I said, just overall very positive. Really liked, really liked the town, the city of Napoleon. So as you kept moving north, suddenly you did a reverse and went all the way down to Covington. What, what made you move from Napoleon to Covington? Well, first off, uh, my wife was sick. My wife's a cold water girl. She was sick of being two hours from home. And there was an opportunity at Covington to be the building principal there, which was a career goal of mine. And, you know, similar community to uh, as far as size and, and things go to, to what my wife and I were used to, you know, at growing up in Rockford and growing up outside of Coldwater, you know, so that was, that was a career step. And, and one, I'm glad I took because uh, it, it was great for our family and great for our children. And, you know, we had a lot of success there in a lot of different areas. So, so yeah, Covington was an awesome place and awesome experience. So as you can see, when, as we go through these games in the West Central Ohio region, Josh has probably come across every one of these teams at some time or another. <laughs> that, yeah, as I was reading through the list earlier today, it's, uh, it's amazing some of the connections that I have. All right. Now, before we go through these games individually and pick them, I just want to go back to last week for a little bit. We looked at 26 games last week. Of those, the higher-seeded team won 20. There were six upsets, at least according to the Harbin computer points. Rebecca, when she picked the game, she also picked 20 correctly. So good week for Rebecca. I achieved my goal. I did better than Rebecca. I did 23 right and missed three. Unfortunately, I couldn't keep up with the old computers. Calpreps.com website went 24 and two in those games. And good old Drew Pasteur with his fantastic 50. He said he got seven out of eight right across the state, 87.5% last week. But of our 26 games, he got all 26 right. That's just kind of sad. Uh. <laughs> well, it's different, you know, using uh, using those computer points and algorithms. You know, that's a lot different than you know the old uh, the old message board days where you're taking somebody's word for it. To, who knows? You know, it could be a ten year old behind the computer. Who knows? So, ten year old or some cranky old guy from Youngstown who hasn't missed a game in sixty years, right? Yeah, I probably have more in common with the cranky old guy, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with the higher divisions as usual. I'll let you pick first, Josh. We'll go right into Division Three and Region 12, Wapakoneta. The four seeds still are 11-1 and one now. Still their only loss was their season opener to Marion Local. They have to play Hamilton-Baden. And if I remember right, that game is at Trotwood, a decent-sized trip for both teams. Hamilton Baden at the moment has 30% more computer points. Drew Pasteur's fantastic 50 likes Baden to win by nine points. Cal Prep says Baden only by three. It has a little more faith in Wapakoneta. And when I look at these games, I always look to see if they played before, or if they have any common opponents. And there's just no connection whatsoever between these two teams, which makes it a lot harder to try to pick a winner, I tell you. <laughs> Well, and that's what makes the playoffs fun. You know, it's not every day that these teams, they probably don't play in anything else. You know, it's not like they're playing in girls basketball or volleyball or playing a baseball game in the spring against each other. And, you know, I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm going to have to stay in all County for this one. I think it'll be a tight game 
And I think Walpock, um, with just their week in, week out schedule and how they've prepared, it'll be a tight game. Like I said, my prediction is that they'll win by, you know, a score, but not much more than that. Well, I will be rooting for Walpock. I actually did more research on Hamilton Baden than I've ever done in the past. I'd seen that the school was called Stephen T. Baden School before. Had no idea what that meant. I looked a little deeper. It's Father Stephen T. Baden. So sounds like a Catholic school to me. And I don't see the public school Hamilton anywhere in the playoffs. So I'm guessing they have a lot of players that could fill a large public school if they chose to be there instead of at the private school. So I'm going to pick Baden, but I'm going to root for Walpaw. And in that region, our other game, Tip City Tippecanoe, also 11-1. They are playing against Western Brown out of Mount Oreb, which is in the Cincinnati area in general. The computer points at the moment are about identical. Western Brown has 1% more computer points, and that's reflected in the computers. So Fantastic 50 likes Tippecanoe to win by two points. Cal Preps likes Western Brown to win by one point. So that's about as much of a toss-up game as we're going to see. Both teams played Hillsboro this year. Western Brown won by 55 in week one, whereas Tippecanoe won by 42 last week. So I don't think that tells us a whole lot, Josh. Uh, no, probably not. Not with the uh, margin of victory and not with, you know, play somebody in week one and then the other team plays them in week 11. Pretty big spread time frame wise there. Tip is well coached. A Burbacher coaches there, you know, obviously I have a little bit of a connection with the Miami County uh, Covington connection, know a few staff members at TIP. My wife's aunt and uncle live there, actually. Hmm. Uh, but a as you mentioned to start off, Bruce, I also have a Western Brown connection, which you may not have anticipated. Oh, not at yeah. all. So about 20 some years ago, a guy that I was coaching with at Corey Rawson took the head coaching job at Western Brown. So I spent two or three days down in Mount Oreb helping him during camp install offense and install defense. Uh, a little bit familiar with them in the area. I, I think that Tip's probably the better team in this one, and, and I would take Tip in a pretty close game here. I will also go with Tip. My connection there is the, the coach was coach at Fort Laramie at one point. I was actually interviewing for a math teacher job there, and I think as I left – went by the coach in the hall and he said something about, we'll give you the job, but you have to do our stats instead of Minster's. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it wasn't his job to give me the job, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're moving down to Region 14 in Division 4. We have Van Wert, 11-1, pulled off a semi-miracle win last week, as we mentioned on our scores of the week. They are playing against Millersburg West Holmes. Again, two teams that aren't going to have many connections at all, fairly far apart geographically. Uh, West Holmes has 19% more computer points. They are also a team that, if you follow message boards, people have been talking about all season long as a potential state champion in Division Four, or at least in this region. Fantastic 50 likes West Holmes by 11 points. Cal Preps likes West Holmes by 9. Their only common opponent was St. Mary's. West Holmes beat them by 35 points last week. And Van Wert beat St. Mary's by 29 earlier in the season. Yeah, another, another tough one there, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd like to pick Van Wert. Uh, being from Rockford, I have a couple family members up there and familiar with Van Wert. Uh, would really like to pick, pick them. 
from what I've heard and read is that quite simply West Holmes is, is there the real deal. Um, so, so my pick for this one is West Holmes, but this, this division four region 14 may have been the toughest region top to bottom in the state. I think, I mean, by the time you get West Holmes, Van Wert, St. Mary's Glenville in there, I mean, that's a, that's a tough region. Yep. I would agree there. And from what I can tell, we're going to see West Holmes is just going to try to power it right over Van Wert. And apparently they've done it to everyone else this year. Van Wert's probably going to have to go over the top, but that's something they do fairly well themselves. So I'm expecting you might see a lot of points scored in this game, but I'm just expecting maybe one or two more interceptions from Van Wert than fumbles from West Holmes. I'm going with West Holmes myself. And Josh, you were talking about tough regions. We're moving on to what I think may be, may be one of the toughest regions in the state this year. Division 5, Region 18. We have two teams we follow playing each other here. The top seed, undefeated Liberty Center, hosting the four seed, Coldwater, at 11-1. and one. Liberty Center, 27% higher on the computer points. Both the computers like Liberty Center. Fantastic 50 by five points. Cal Preps by six. No common opponents for these two teams. The most intriguing fact of this game, I think, has to be the quarterback from Coldwater, a uh, blasting game, broke his leg in week nine, had surgery two days later. Most of us figured he's done for the year. Last week, Coldwater's losing three to nothing at the half. They throw blasting game back in the lineup at the second half, and he led them to a 14 to three win. That leg can't be 100%, though. Uh, it just can't be. <laughs> so as a parent, I was a little, I've shaken my head. I said, I don't know if I'd have allowed that myself. That's a, well, he's got to be a tough kid. Doctor yeah. said it was okay. So guess you, gotta, be, guess you go with the doc, huh? I, I guess. Yeah. You know, Liberty Center, man, what a great tradition that school has. Uh, Henry County, same county as Napoleon. They'll be tough. They'll be physical. They've probably got, they've got a few state titles, I believe, in their school history. I have a son that's an assistant coach at Napoleon, played LC early in the year, said that they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Now, having said all that, you know, I just, I can't pick against Coldwater, you know. It's still, it's, it's still Coldwater, isn't it? I just can't do it. I just can't, you know, Liberty Center will have a lot of things going for them, and Coldwater has more going for them. And I, I think they pull this one out and, and keep their season, keep their season alive. I, I, I want to lean that way, but... Part of me just says Coldwater was a different team without that quarterback in there. And I just can't see him playing in a tight game with a heavy pass rush, the full game, full out. I just, when the team knows it's coming, I just don't see it. I'm going to go with Liberty Center in this one, but boy, you don't come out very well in these things picking against Coldwater generally. That's for sure. <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay. Moving down to Division Five, Region 20. Get one down in the Covington area here. We have Milton Union, the two seed, undefeated on the year, playing number six seeded 11-1 Brookville. Let's see our stats here say Milton Union has 15% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes Milton Union, but only by five. Cal Preps likes them only by three. Both teams played a tough opponent in Valley View this year. Milton Union won by 10 points in week two, while Brookville lost by 14 in week six. Uh, they also played Tip City Bethel. Doesn't tell us quite as much. Milton Union won by 41 points in week eight. 
Brookville won by 31 points in week three. So that one doesn't tell us much of anything, I don't think. Yeah, uh, Milton Union, they're very, very athletic. They have they have a tremendous uh, senior class over there. They're in the same league as Covington, same conference as Covington, um, a Miami County school. So, so I've seen them play a few times, and they're just – they have a really good core group of kids right now, and I, I think they take it to Brookville in this one. I think this one just gets away from Brookville. Milton Union, I think, is pretty good. And I'll second that. I agree wholeheartedly with that. So Milton Union it is, at least from our perspective. In Division Six, Region 22, we're down to Columbus Grove, the fifth seed. People were expecting they'd have to take on the defending state champs of Cary. This week, but Kerry was upset by the eight seed North Robinson Colonel Crawford. Highly unexpected from my perspective, at least. Columbus Grove has eight percent more computer points. The computers both like Columbus Grove. Fantastic fifty by three points and Cal Preps by one point. So again, another potentially close game. No common opponents, and no reason for there to ever be any common opponents between Columbus Grove and Colonel Crawford. I don't believe. No, that, that they're pretty far apart up there in uh, in northwestern Ohio. Columbus Grove is their head coach is a former Corey Rawson coaching colleague of mine. Andy Schaefer uh, is now the head coach at Columbus Grove. Coach Schaefer, he'll have them ready. He's one of the better, uh, I guess, what I would call like scouting film, scouting report tendency coaches that there is. He will know. He will know exactly what Colonel Crawford's going to do and, and their personnel groupings and, and all their tendencies and their play calling by formation. And I've never been around anyone that's as good at him as from breaking down film during the week and over the weekend and stuff like that. And they'll be very well prepared. Grove won't make many mistakes, although uh, I'm sure Colonel Crawford's pretty good. I think Grove wins this one by a score. All right. I'm Having to agree with you there, the uh, fact that they beat Carey scares me a little bit, but I still think Columbus Grove's a favorite in this one. So as you're talking about this Columbus Grove coach, are we starting to talk about the Josh Meyer coaching tree here now? <laughs> well, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a tree so much, but there's a lot of different connections. There's a lot of different connections. You know, when you coach as long as I did at a few different places, then you'll have those. So. Yep. Staying in Division 6 and Region 24. We'll start with Marion Local, the top seed, undefeated, in a rematch against the four seed, 9-3 and three Versailles. Uh, Marion Local has 53% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes Marion Local to win by 23. Cal Preps says only 14. Cal Preps likes Versailles a little better. These two played in Week 6. Marion Local won that game by 20 points at whole field in Versailles. So does the inevitable Marion local train roll on, Josh? I think so. Like you said earlier about Coldwater, you don't, uh, you're not going to make a living picking against the Marion local Flyers, and just what a job that Coach Goodwin and his staff do every year. And and the the amazing thing that I think they do is is developing kids while they're in the program. That's why there's very seldom, if ever, a fall off in the quality of their play. It's because how they develop players. That, that stick with it. So yeah, you're nothing against for sales. You know, they're, they're a quality opponent, quality team, but Marion local is going to take this one, I believe. Yep. I would agree. And also on the other point, whether it's 
the next year or just even the next week if there's an injury. There, there's always someone that seems ready to step in place when someone when someone else is missing from Marion Local. So, yep. And the other game in that region, Allen East, having maybe the the best year Allen East has ever had since someone else named Goodwin was coaching up there. They are eleven and one right now, hosting eleven and one Tri Village. Right now, Tri Village actually has three percent more computer points now. The computers like Allen East, fantastic fifty by ten, Cal Preps by seven. No common opponents for these two. I really know little about Tri Village, but that's down more. I would hope you have a little bit there, Josh. Well, yeah, a little bit. They they've uh, they've had some really good skill position players the last three or four years, and Covington scrimmaged them this year. So so they're they're a quality team. They've really done a good job. It's a fairly new program, maybe only eight or ten or twelve years old. So it's a pretty new pretty new football program. So they've done a good job building that program up so far. Allen East. I think I think for one, I think they play the better schedule in the Northwest Conference than what Tri Village does. And uh, when when I was coaching at Corey Ross and we scrimmaged Allen East uh, every year, and they were always 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 physical. Uh, they always hit you, and they had good big strong kids. So I I think that that's going to that this game will be close for a half, and then Allen East with their with their physicality will pull it out in the end. Yeah, that's something along the lines I was thinking. Same thing. If Tri-Village can pull off a lot of long plays, if they can break loose and get free for the 70-yard touchdown runs and that sort of thing, they can win this. But I'm I'm leaning Allen East myself. So, Okay, and that leads us to Division 7, starting with the northern northwest section, Region 26. We have 11-1 Macomb. Another team who's only lost this season is the Marion Local. We'll be playing against... The four seed Lima Central Catholic, who's eight and four, but has played one heck of a schedule this year. Macomb has 29% more computer points, and the computers both like Macomb by three points, which almost surprised me. No, as close as these two are, no common opponents at all. I don't think most of the teams in that area really like to schedule Lima Central Catholic too much. Yeah, the no common opponents is probably a function of them them being independent, and I know they travel. You know, they, they have to travel to find people to play them. Macomb, as far as Macomb goes, uh, the head coach there, Chris Algie, I mentioned earlier that um, Andy Schaefer's probably one of the better, you know, at breaking down film and putting together scouting reports. Well, Chris Algie might be the best uh, coach up in that area when it comes to having a brand new wrinkle. So you can break down all that. You could break down five Macomb films and he's going to come out when he plays you, and it'll be something different that you haven't prepared for. So you're you're preparing on the fly, and and they generally have athletes there. It's a pretty good football school. They've got a couple, they've got a couple small school state titles, including one fairly recently. Whenever I was coaching at Corey Rawson, uh, if you beat Macomb, you you earned it because they didn't beat themselves. Um, so I, I just think just all that together, I think Macomb takes this one by a touchdown. Mm, and I've been debating this one quite hard. <laughs> I'm leaning Macomb too. I think they can just kind of wear on Lima Central Catholic, but I don't see him winning by a lot. As you said, one score I think would be about it. So I'll go with you on the Macomb prediction, but not with a high level of confidence, let's say. <laughs> 
The other game in this region, the two seed undefeated Antwerp at 12 and 0. And this probably is definitely the best season ever at Antwerp, I would say. They are facing the six seed Gibsonburg, currently 10 and 2. Antwerp has 15% more computer points. Both computers like Antwerp, fantastic 50 by 11, Cal Preps by 7. They both played Edgerton fairly recently. Antwerp won by 39 points in week 10. Gibsonburg won by 28 points in week 11. Just uh, the only real nugget I have here is that the first ever home playoff game in Corey Ross in history was against Antwerp. And so uh, other than that, I don't have too much insight on this one. Antwerp looks to be a little better on paper, so I'll take them by, let's call this one two scores. All right. I'm with Antwerp, too. We mentioned them in our scores of the week earlier. They're one of those teams that won by going for two points late in the game and gambling the whole game on the two-point conversion. They came out on top that time. Um, I'm thinking hopefully they won't need to have it come down to that one play this week. Maybe they can win by a little bigger margin this time. And finally, we have Region 28. We have two games here, both where the both where an MAC team is the lower seed. First one, we have the top seed, 11-1 Ansonia, up against number five, New Bremen, who's 9-3. and Ansonia has 39% more Harbin computer points, but Fantastic 50 says it likes New Bremen by 19. Cal Preps likes New Bremen by 10. They both have one common opponent. Don't know if it tells us much. They both played DeGraff Riverside. And Sonia beat him by 22 in week one. New Bremen won by 31 points last week. Well, Ansonia's a solid program. And having said that, New Bremen's going to win this one. Uh, they just have way too much for Ansonia. And so I think New Bremen takes this. I think the computers are right. This is a couple score game at least. From what I've read, if I got it right, Ansonia seems to be kind of a power running type team. Not much passing game, I don't think. And New Bremen, they have enough of a line both ways. I think they can cause a lot of problems for a power running team. So I'm with you. I've got New Bremen in this one. And our final game, we have a rematch here. The two seed, 10-2 and two Fort Laramie, playing the six seed, 8-4 and four Minster. Fort Laramie has 48% more computer points. The Fantastic 50 computer prefers Minster by one. Cal Preps likes Fort Laramie by three points, so the computers disagree on this one. These two teams met in Fort Laramie in week one. Fort Laramie beat Minster by 12 points. Uh, Fort Laramie also did better than Minster against both Versailles and St. Henry. Well, uh, Bruce, I got. I just have to say this. That the, the Wildcats, they've improved every week, and that improvement is starting to add up. When you get a little bit better each week and a season is 10, 12, now 13 weeks long, that starts to show up and it starts to add up. It's starting to show up on the scoreboard, starting to show up on the execution on Friday nights. And I think, I think that our coaches, uh, led by Coach Whiting, have done a terrific job of getting our kids to buy in to what they're doing. And I know that once the playoff brackets were released, that both teams circled this game. There's no doubt about that. Now, I love how the Wildcats are playing. They compete like crazy. Uh, They play extremely hard. You know, Fort Laramie's pretty good. They're very skilled. They're well coached. They'll play hard. They'll hit you. 
It's, I just have a good feeling about the Wildcats. I've told people that for the last, last several games, you know, I just think that the Wildcats, they just have something about them. You know, I have a good feeling about them. I like the way they play. I like what we're doing. And I just think that we are able to pull this one out in what has become sort of our MO this year, you know, the second half cats, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if we were down at halftime and then did what we do, played a real solid second half and, and pull it out. I'm going to take the Wildcats by a score, Bruce. All right. I forgot to offer you the Herb Street option to not have to pick a game where you're superintendent. So now, if I, could now. The, if I would have had the Wiley, the Wildcat head, I would have put it on like Lee Corso, but uh, <laughs> I forgot to bring that home today. <laughs> yeah, I could say, if you look back at that week one game, Army by 12, they – they got a break on a weird kickoff where a Minster player got a little confused and let a ball bounce off his leg, and Fort Larmy recovered it. Fort Larmy also had one play that worked over and over all game, and I think Minster changed their whole defense afterwards to make sure that play wouldn't ever work again. So, Now, normally when you see a game like this, in the past you'd say, well, Fort Larmy just went through the cross-county conference and beat everyone by 40 or 50. They probably haven't gotten any better through the season. That's not the case anymore with that independent schedule they play now. They get challenged. They play some tough teams that Lucas and Lima Central Catholic really stand out on that schedule. But I'm still going Minster. I've said all year, I like young teams to do a little better than the computer says. Young teams will improve more than the more veteran teams as the season go on. And they're not as much as last year, but Minster still has a very young team. And they're getting older by the week. But it's not going to be by much, I tell you. This this one feels like a last possession or two type game. But I will officially put my check mark next to Minster on the sheet here. So, not just because I do the stats and I'd be in a lot of trouble if I didn't. And before we finish here, I'd like to mention real quick: last week was the championship game of the Northern Eight Conference for eight man football. And since every team that played in Ohio this year was in the Northern Eight Conference, you'd have to say the conference champion would be the state champion, would you not? I would. I would think so. And and my last connection for the podcast here, Bruce, is Joel Miller is the Northern Eight Conference Commissioner from Napoleon, right? He is from Napoleon. Very good. He's the uh, Napoleon Henry County Chamber of Commerce Director, and and Joel's a Joel's a terrific. Uh, Terrific guy, and and you know, up there with some of the schools, some of the smaller schools, the Strikers, the Holgates, eight man football. It's good for the kids, and, and it's good for the game because it gives it gives those schools and those communities an opp- opportunity to compete on Friday night that they may not otherwise have. And this last Friday night, we had Toledo Christian and Holgate playing for the championship at Bowling Green High School. So we even had a neutral site, gave it a nice championship feel. Toledo Christian went out to an early lead. Holgate rallied in the second half, came back and won by a touchdown, I believe, in in what I would consider a mild upset, revenging a loss earlier in the season. So Holgate becomes our third different eight-man football state champ for the last three years. That's good to see, too. No one one school's dominating here in eight-man football. They're spreading the wealth around a little bit. So, Josh, want to thank you for helping out. listen next week to see how well we both did well i appreciate it bruce thanks for thanks for having me rebecca's not here so i guess it's my job to tell you any comments questions can be sent to bdmonin at nktelco.net or just submitted to me on twitter 
My handle is at Bruce Monin. And if you like the podcast, I try to put it out there on social media so you can just click on it. But, you know, just subscribe to it on Apple iTunes or on the iHeartRadio store. It'll come every week, be much more convenient for you. And if I ever figured out how to track such things, I'll know how many people listen then. (laughs) And with that, we're wrapping it up here. Next week, we'll be back with the regional championships here on Bruce Monin's Computer Points. Thanks for listening.